tonight we're going to be talking about supernatural events. And these things are signs, messages from God. Straight messages from God saying, I'm coming with my wrath and my fury to destroy those who are not of me. This is just the reality of it. Let's start with Revelations chapters 11, verses 18 to 19. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. In the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake and great hail proceeded from the throne. The earth is entering into a stage where it is convulsing. It's convulsing. And if you don't recognize the fact that sinkholes are springing up all over the place, not just in Florida, they're happening, the ground is opening up, sometimes people are disappearing. This can happen to you. And you have a, a mindset or a thought that I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to uh, curse God in my mind and in my heart and say, I'm not going to follow God's heart. You don't know that you could be walking in a place where the ground opens up and sucks you down into it. It's real. It's more real now than it ever has been. We see the signs of this every day. There are strange weather events and occurrences that are happening with greater frequency and intensity. We're seeing tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, floods, and not to mention our normal hurricanes, typhoons, and nor'easters. There are 22 active volcanoes in 2021 right now that are actively spewing lava in comparison to the nine active in 2020, in comparison to the two that were active in 2019. And the church wants to play with God. No. In 2020, there were nine earthquakes of magnitude 7.0 and above, 115 earthquakes of 6.0 to 7.0, 1,689 earthquakes of 5.0 to 6.0, 38,940 earthquakes of 3.0 to 4.0. This is just last year. This doesn't include this year's count. All of these events are supernaturally occurring in the earth. It signs to us that the day of the Lord is coming. There are three categories of judgments that come against the earth. Category one, and if you've been in church, you've heard about this your entire church life, birth pains. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 8. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And again, if you've been in church, you've heard this your whole life. And you're to the point where it doesn't mean anything to you. You just kind of poo-poo it. Oh, that's not really going to happen. It's happening. It's taking place right now. Open up your eyes. These birth pains are happening as prophetic signs. They signal Jesus' return to the earth. Category two, innocent blood being shed. Matthew 23, verse 31 to 36. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? This is Jesus. He called them serpents, brood of vipers. In today's terminology, those would be cuss words. The reality of it, he didn't play with them. He didn't mince words. He didn't hold back like we do in the church. Just go ahead and keep sinning. You're going to be okay. There's not, there's not a hell anymore. It disappeared. No. Jesus didn't play with you. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. But surely I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jesus was talking to his disciples at this time, but this translates and transfers down to us. These things are going to happen. They're happening now. Look at what took place in Afghanistan. The Christians were... On a plane, they told them to get off the plane. We're going to take care of you. They went beyond the gate. They shot and killed all of them. Women, infants, pregnant ladies. Just, just done. Just because they were Christians. Just because they wouldn't serve Allah. It's real. Abel's blood being shed in the earth cried out to God after Cain killed him. How much more is the blood of the martyrs crying out right now? Think about all the righteous blood being shed in the earth and that blood needing justice. It needs justice. It's crying out to God and judgment is being stored up until the cup of God's wrath is poured out. There's a cup that's being filled. You think people are getting away with things, all of the murders that are taking place. Those people don't repent, they're going to go to hell. And they're going to receive their due just punishment for the things that they've done inside of their, their body. It's crying out to God, and judgment is being stored up until the cup of God's wrath is poured out. Sometimes we look at certain situations and say they got away with murder. And some people get mad at God because they think he isn't looking. He doesn't know. God allowed me to be raped. He allowed me to be incested. So I'm mad. I'm, I'm going to point my finger of judgment at him. No. 
It's not right. He allowed you to go through something so that you can help somebody else. It wasn't so that you could be in a place of self-pity and navel-gazing. You don't understand God. And, and it's time that you start. God is looking. Justice is coming. No one is getting away with anything. Category three, prophetic shaking of heaven and earth. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 24 to 26. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, uniting God and man, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. See to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him, who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai. Then, but now he has given a promise saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Did you guys hear about all of the asteroids that have been passing by the earth within the last six months? Real. Just a little bit of deviation, they could have hit one part of the earth and destroyed all of it. A little bit of deviation and you could have been gone. You don't understand that right now, a, a little small piece, you could be walking down the street and a little small piece of asteroid fall out of the sky, hit and kill you. God is shaking the earth and the heavens. Prophetically, there is a shaking that is coming to the earth. This was prophesied by God. These shakings that God is doing around the earth are part of the plan of God. For many years now, God has been telling us Joel 2 is here. And I don't know how many messages Pastor Barbara has given on Joel chapter 2 within the last two years. But, but there have been times when God has said this is what it is. And, and then the fresh word, there's multiple Joel chapter 2. I'm in Joel chapter 2. So we need to take account of what God is really doing with Joel chapter 2. Back in 2014 and 2015, the Christian community was excited because we were entering into a time where we encountered the celestial event called the Tetrad. A Tetrad is four lunar eclipses that occur within six months of each other. Ever since we passed through these four blood moons in 2014 and 2015, Many prophetic people believe that this started a shifting in the spirit realm. It did, but I don't believe that we understood what God was really saying. There is a movement in the church to keep people in the dark about God's judgments. We don't, we don't want you to know. They make it seem like God's people cannot handle the truth. Can you handle the truth? There is a control that has come from some prophetic leaders in the church, and they really, in effect, shut the voice of God off when it comes to teaching or talking about his judgments. They say it's too negative, and we don't want people to be in fear. This is wrong. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 to 20. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people who are exiled in Babylon. 
and say to them, If I bring a sword on the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming on the land and he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be on himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, he is taken away because of his corruption and sin. But I will require his blood from the watchman's hand. So both people get judged. If you don't do what's right, if you don't heed the watchman's call, if you don't heed these prophetic messages that are coming out to you saying that you need to change, you need to get your life together. It's not going to be the watchman that's in your life's fault. It's going to be yours. And God is going to look at you and said, on such and such day, I told you this. I told you this on the next day. I told you this on the next day. And all of those words are going to come back into your spirit, man. And you're going to hear them over and over and over and over again. And you're not going to be able to say, oh, God, you never told me. Or you didn't say it in a way that was kind and comfortable to me so that I could really receive it deep into my spirit, man. Foolishness. Foolishness. You can't get God to change his word. And change the way that it's delivered. And change how, because, because you want your self-esteem to be boosted and lifted up. Your self-esteem will change as you start changing yourself. As you start yielding to the Spirit of God. Then you'll get confidence and you'll feel good. Because you, you'll realize that you're his son or his daughter. Not because someone's filling you with a bunch of fluff and fluffy words to make you feel good. That's not going to get it. Them fluffy words are not going to take you through the deep trials and tribulations that you're going to have to go through in life. It's not. Verse 7. Now as for you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you shall hear a message from my mouth and give them a warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will certainly die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man will die because of his sin, but I will require his blood from your hand. But if you on your part warn the wicked man to turn from his evil way, and he does not turn from his evil way, he will die in his sin. But you have saved your life. Verse 10. Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you have said, truly our transgressions and our sins are on us, and we are rotting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't take pleasure in what he's about to do on this earth. What he's about to do to some people. But rather than the wicked turn from his way and live, turn back, change your way of thinking, turn back in repentance from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Why? And you, son of man, say to the sons of your people, 
the righteousness of a righteous man will not save him in the day of his transgression. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he will not stagger because of it in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Whereas a righteous man will not be able to live because of his previous acts of righteousness on the day when he commits sin. All of this stuff about once saved, always saved is a bunch of stuff. It's not true. Here's the scriptural basis and the scriptural background that you have to continuously live holy. You have to continuously live righteous before God or you're not you're not going to make it. You can't look back and say, well, I fed the hungry on this day and I gave this guy some money on that day there. And Lord, this is what what it takes. This is you know, this is what's going to get me in. No, it's a continuous process. You have to continuously do your works before the Lord. Verse 13, when I say to the righteous that he will most certainly live and he trusts in his previous acts of righteousness to save him and commits injustice, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered, but he will die for his injustice that he committed. How many people are in pulpits right now that are sleeping with people in their, in their, in their church and they're staying up there Well, I'm delivering the word of God and God's covering me through this mess? He's going to protect me. He's not going to, he's not going to allow me to go to hell because I'm, I'm different. I'm special. That's not what this word is saying. It's not. Verse 14. But when I say to the wicked, you will certainly die. And he turns from his sin and practices that which is just, fair and right. If a wicked man returns, what he took as a pledge, pays back what he had taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes which ensure life. Without committing injustice, he will certainly live. He will not die. None of his sins that he has committed will be remembered against him. He has practiced that which is just and fair and right. He will most certainly live. Verse 17. Yet your people who are in exile in Babylon say, The way of the Lord is not right. But as for them, it is their own way that is not right. When the righteous turns back from his righteousness and commits injustice, he will also die because of it. But when a wicked man turns back from his wickedness and practice what is just and fair and right, he will live because of it. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right. O house of Israel, I will judge you, every one of you in accordance with his own ways. It's real. This is a clear mandate from God for leadership. If you do your part as a leader, you have nothing to worry about. You will be clean before God. What troubles me is that there is a set of people in the body of Christ who do not want to be led. They fight against everything God tells the leader to tell them to do. This is not right also. There is another set of people who want leadership. But leaders in the church are afraid to lead. I feel like there are some people in the body of Christ who want to know the truth. They're starving for it, but some in the church are toning down God's message to tickle the ears. And this shouldn't be. When the world outside of the church is predicting that bad things are going to be happening, and the world comes to the church and we say nothing, or we say, you don't have to worry about that, this is just a bunch of fiction, there's something wrong. They should be able to come to us and have every answer that they need answered. 
what's going on? Why is, why is the earth doing this? And we should be able to look at them and say, this is what thus saith the Lord, or the Bible says this, or this is what I feel in my spirit, and have it be biblically accurate. They should be looking to us, the church, for their answers. They're going to psychics. They're going to science. They're going to their friends. All of these people are leading them astray. They're not telling them the truth. And the truth is, God is in control of all of this. And he's orchestrated and ordained and is sending messages to us with these different supernatural events that are taking place right now. The critical understanding that should have been spoken by the leaders during this time period was that the world is entering into a time of judgment and that judgment is coming from God. It was no accident that these blood moons all occurred on Jewish holidays. It was no accident that this happened and this took place. This was a message from God. And we need to consider, did we do our part to deliver the message to the world? And there's a little graphic up there. And it's showing the four blood moons that took place in 2014. Um... The first one was on a Jewish holiday called Passover, 4-15-14. The second one was on Sukkot, October 8th, 2014. There was a solar eclipse that took place on Nisan 1, which was March 20th, 2015. The third blood moon took place on Passover on April 4th, 2015. And the fourth blood moon was on September 28th, 2015. Tetras that occur on a Jewish feast. Now this is from the Jewish Talmud. An important Jewish text used to identify religious Jewish law in the most in the Moses five books known as the Torah indicates that. First, the, the Talmud said, if the moon is in eclipse, moon turning into darkness is a sign of wrath coming upon Israel. In case of a blood moon eclipse, and if it is red as blood, it is a sign of a sword coming. If the sun turns into darkness, solar eclipse is a sign of wrath coming to the world. So we just had these, these four tetrods that just took place. Those were signs, those were prophetic signs that... God is doing something. He's bringing judgment to the world. He's bringing judgment to the earth. It is somewhat rare for all four blood moons to occur each on a Jewish feast day. This is only the ninth time in 2000 years that this has happened, where a tetrod has all four blood moons occurring on Jewish feast days. The number nine in Hebrew has the meaning of judgment. The last blood moon of the 2014-15 Tetrod was also a supermoon appearing larger than usual and the eclipsed moon was setting over Jerusalem on a feast day. Only two happened in the 1400s and the next two happened in the 1900s. When this has happened in the past, important events have occurred on or near the Jewish Tetrods. A Jewish tetrod occurred 1493 to 1494, and this was a period of time that Jews were expelled from Spain 
in Columbus' return from his discovery of the new world. You know, what's so upsetting, you know, we're, we're taking away our history and we're getting rid of our history. And now people don't even know what Columbus was about. They, they, they don't know what Columbus Day is all about. You know, they're, they're, they're upset because they're saying he took away the native lands. No, he was fleeing religious persecution for the Jews out of Spain. And they were trying to find a new place to live so that they would not have to live up under that persecution. This is the, the original history that was taught to some people. Because it's not being taught anymore. They're, they're teaching this multiculturalism stuff, trying to get the racists to fight against each other, trying to get us to hate one another, and it's a bunch of junk. We need to go back to the truth. We need to go back to teaching what the real history was so that we don't make the same mistakes that we did in the past. So here, Christopher Columbus in 1492 left, and it left his country, left Spain, but in 1493, 1494, you have this major prophetic sign that took place in the earth of these four blood moons that took place during that time period. In 1949 to 1950, this happened again. What happened in 1948? Israel became a nation. So God put another sign in the stars and the heavenlies to tell the world, hey, I'm about to judge. The Jews returned home, returned to form the country of Israel for the first time in 2,000 years. The next time this occurs is the Tetrad of 1967 to 68. Israel captured the city of Jerusalem in the Six-Day War, and for the first time, Jews pray at the Holy Wall in the city of their ancestors. So during these periods, these Tetras, these blood moons, significant things are taking place. Look at what has happened since then. Who would have ever thought we would have had 2020? Where you're locked in your home for the entire year. Almost 18 months. This is a sign. This is a pestilence that, that took place. God knew it was going to happen. Very few in the church knew it was going to happen. But look at what it's, it's still doing to this day. The ravages that are taking place. Are we not being judged? Is there not a message that God is trying to send to us? For us to change. For us to get ourselves together. We heard a lot about the blood moons in 2014 and 2015. But what was the significance of the solar eclipse that occurred right in the middle of those four blood moons? The total solar eclipse on March 20th falls on Nisan 1, which is the first day, which is the first day of the first month of the biblical calendar. According to Jewish tradition, a solar eclipse on Nisan 1 is a sign of judgment. It's a sign of judgment. Where is that judgment going? For example, there was a solar eclipse on Nisan 1 in 70 AD. Later that year, the Romans attacked Jerusalem and completely destroyed the temple. What makes all of this even more interesting is the fact that the solar eclipse 
on March 20th fell right in the middle of the blood moon tetrarch, and it also happens to fall during the Smita sabbatical year. Now listen at this. When the sun is in eclipse, it is a bad omen for the whole world. This may be illustrated by a parable. This is the parable. To what can this be compared? To a human being who made a banquet for his servants and put up for them a lamp. When he became wroth with them, he said to his servant, take away the lamp from them and let them sit in the dark. It was taught whenever the luminaries, the moon or an eclipse, it is a bad omen for Israel since they are inured to blows. This may be compared to a school teacher who comes to school with a strap in his hand. Who becomes apprehensive? He who is accustomed to be daily punished. When the sun is in eclipse, it is a bad omen for idolaters. When the moon is in eclipse, it is a bad omen for Israel. Since Israel reckons by the moon and idolaters by the sun. What are they talking about when they talk about idolaters? Who has their calendar set on the sun? Us, the Gentiles. Is it any wonder all of the bad things have happened since 2015 are happening and are continuing to happen? They are increasing in intensity. They're not getting smaller. They're not dropping away. They're continuing to go on. Jewish tradition is not scripture, but it's very interesting to note these things that they were saying. And what we do know is that we have seen this kind of pattern before. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. We're hearing a lot about global warming and climate change in these days. Did you know that the church has the answer to global warming and climate change? We do. We really, really do. The answer is all tied up in scripture and understanding that we are the ones who have corrupted the earth. And because we've corrupted the earth, the earth is moaning and groaning, trying to get rid of the sin that's been encapsulated inside of it. The reason for all of these different signs and supernatural events is because man's sins, man's corruption, has taken over and taken place. And it's causing those different things to fall and it's causing to earth to convulse and to twist and to turn. 
Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Adam sinned. The ground got cursed. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of your face, and you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now it happened when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and desirable. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired. Now when they're talking about the sons of God here, they're talking about the angels. And the angels corrupted themselves by sleeping with men. Verse 3, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever, because he is indeed flesh, sinful, corrupt, given over to sensual appetites. Nevertheless, his days shall not yet be a hundred and twenty years. There were Nephilim, men of stature, notorious men on the earth in those days, and also afterward, and when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men, and they gave birth to their children, these were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown, great reputation and fame. Now, now listen to this, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness the depravity of man was great on the earth and that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. We're getting back to this place now where it's, 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 it's not fashionable. It's, it's corrupt how people want to do dirty, filthy, vile things to other people. The mindset is this is okay. Eating people. It's 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 wick it's pure wickedness. Verse six the Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth, and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, annihilate mankind, whom I have created from the surface of the earth. Not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air. Because it deeply grieves me to see mankind sin. And I regret that I have made them. With what many people fail to realize is that global warming and climate change are the results of the sins of the people of the world. The sins of the world are going down into the earth, wreaking havoc and destruction upon the earth. And we read a scripture earlier that was talking about Cain and Abel and how Cain's or Abel's blood cried out from the ground because he had been murdered. The sins of the world are going down into the earth, wreaking havoc and destruction upon the earth. God never intended for the world to be so polluted, but we corrupted the earth with our sin. Now, when you go back to the story of Noah and the ark and how Noah um, put 
two by two all of the animals and the only eight people that came with him was his family because no one else wanted to get on the ark. They didn't, they didn't hear about rain. They didn't understand what God was doing. But they, they refused to get in. So God destroyed everything that was in, on the earth with water. And you need to be careful about some of the things that you're listening to prophetically. Because right now a lot of people are really hooked on this thing with the tsunamis. And the, the, the volcano that's supposed to be happening. There are, there are going to be some tsunamis. But you have to remember that God promised in his word that he was not going to destroy the earth again with water. But if you look at everything that's going on right now. All of the prophetic people have gotten this thing in their head about the tsunamis and, and they're really they're really running with it, but they're forgetting the part of the scripture that God said he would never he would never destroy the earth completely with water. Doesn't mean there's not going to be floods, doesn't mean that there are not going to be tsunamis. What I'm saying is that we need to get balanced out with this. So everybody in the global warming um, community in the climate change community is saying that the earth is going to be flooded and destroyed by by the water. It's not. It's not going to happen. The rainbow is in the sky for a reason. The rainbow is there as a sign that God is still in control of this earth. I tell you what is going to happen. God is going to destroy this world again, but he's going to destroy it with fire. He said he's coming back with fire the next time. So we need to take heed seriously to these blood, the blood moons the different weather events that are taking place right now, because this destruction that God is promising, the day of the Lord's wrath, it's coming. And there's no way of getting, getting around that. I want to read the closing scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation... That's the earth eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. The earth is waiting for us to get the anointing so strong inside of us that a purification will take place. A cleansing will take place and we'll be able to stop these birth pains from going place. Now, I'm saying that stop stopping the birth pains is not going to stop the prophetic timetables. But we will be able to ease up the birth pains that are going on. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Because verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly. But because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And when you look at Revelation, God talks about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And when the and it's going to be brought back down here. And when everything is said and done, our corruption is going to be removed from us because we're going to be transformed in an instant. In a twinkling of an eye. And then we're going to be brought back down here. To rule on the earth. With the father. For a thousand years. No, no devil. No bad people. No corrupt people. No corruption. No sin nature. It's just going to be total perfect peace. 
So, you know, we have a part to play in this and we need to become so anointed of God that we're able to help him do this work that he's that he's saying he's going to do. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know that there's a part that we as the body of Christ has to play because we're the, the, the sons of God, sons and daughters of God that are waiting, you know, to be revealed. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later. <laughs>